Hello, this is Michael Stone, the host of We Earth Radio, where we have conversations that make a difference. We're committed to bringing you leading edge thinkers in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, conscious evolution, and spiritual fulfillment. In our programs, we look for positive solutions to local and global issues that leave you touched, moved, and inspired to action. Our weekly guests include local and global experts and concerned citizens working together to heal the wounds that separate, alienate, and marginalize people. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to We Earth Radio. This is your host, Michael Stone. And I'm excited about my guest today. Megan Don is an award-winning author, mystic teacher, and death guide. She has been described as the voice in showing humanity how to integrate the feminine aspect in our lives. Her books, the one we're going to talk about today, Feminine Courage, Remembering Your Voice and Vision Through a Retelling of Our Myths and Inner Stories, and Sacred Companion, Sacred Community, Reflections with Claire of Assisi and Meditations with Teresa of Avila, a journey into the sacred which won the best book and author award in New Zealand. Megan is currently living in Ireland, having been called back to the land of her ancestors, and she's currently working on a book on death and dying. Megan, welcome to our show. Thank you so much, Michael. It's, it's great to be here with you. So lovely to have you. I, I've always felt this deep connection to the divine feminine. And being a male, that sometimes sounds funny to people, but maybe having lost my mother really early or something, but I always have that sense of being guided by the divine feminine. And yet I don't really know a lot about it. So when I read your book, I was really excited to see uh, what you had to say. And it's such a beautifully written book. And you break it into really the three archetypes of the feminine, the daughter, the mother, and the crone. And maybe just to start, we could talk about those archetypes and what they mean to you and, and share a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So uh, really with the daughter, and of course, we're, we're looking here at both the light face and the dark face of each. So the, the daughter really of the light is, is the one who holds hope, vision, and faith. And so she is full of this energy, full of this potentiality for humanity. That is, is of, the, of the light nature. And of the darker nature, you know, she takes us into a place in our being that is still waiting to be birthed. So she will reveal to us those places that need to come alive and, and to match and, and to, to be part of what humanity is needing. And the mother, the mother is that beautiful presence of the light that embraces us that comforts us, that draws us into our own womb essence and love. And again, with the mother of the dark, there, there's a couple of different aspects we look at here. 
And that is, she has great wisdom in this darkness. So it's not just a dark that you would normally think of as things that need to be uh, healed, but there is a deeper wisdom within that womb-like nature and a wisdom of that deep silence and a wisdom of the dark earth. So this, this mother of the dark can um, help us embrace who we are in the dark wisdom. Then we move to the crone and also grandmother. And so there's a correlation really between the daughter and the crone in so many ways, because this crone brings forth vision as well. That by the time the, the crone is outside of the world, so to speak, in some ways, that is, you know, she's not affected by the world anymore. She is bringing a greater divine vision. And really, in, in many ways, she doesn't have any patience for anything other. You know, it's like, no, the divine vision for humanity must come into being. So her voice is strong. So she really draws us, of course, each one of us into that, that place and asks us to also come into that voice and that vision that is far beyond just our personal life. So the daughter is, can be a little bit more, you know, for the personal life in some ways. But by the time you get to the crone, it's completely other. It's completely for the universal vision. And the, the crone of the dark and what I call the dissolution, to me, is what we're really in now in our world. And she brings forth the life of destruction. And I, and I bring these two words together uh, deliberately because there is life in her dissolution and the nature of her dissolution, how she will not allow anything to remain that is not in its true nature. And, and so she is, you know, a great gift to us, but the one that we will be most afraid of because she leaves nothing untouched, no stone of our life unturned. Um, and yet, if we can embrace that dissolution nature, it is the greatest freedom of all, mm. which of course brings us into our true nature. You know, I get a lot of books to review after 17 years of doing this and a lot of spiritual books, obviously. And one of the things about your book is that it doesn't come through like information. It comes through like experience. And I would love, I don't usually ask people this, but I would love for you to go through your own evolution of these stages and the challenges and difficulties and awakenings that you you know, I'd like to hear your personal story of this journey, quite frankly. Well, okay. That, 
Asking too much? <laughs> <laughs> no, just my whole life history. Yeah. <laughs> I like it when it's real for people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that is imperative. You know, I have to be really honest here. The Daughter of Light was, in fact, the most difficult one for me to enter. It was like I literally had to go, who is she? <laughs> like, I don't really even know what a daughter of light is, you know, and it took me, I, and I, I, I do think this is because, you know, I had, like all of us, a, a traumatic upbringing. And so that original sense of hope and faith and vision was actually pretty dire. It was like, you know, there didn't look to be in my young psyche any hope, any faith or any vision to get out of where I was in. So it was like, who on earth is this daughter of light? And I have to say, it took many years to even be able to come and touch her and to feel her and, and to resurrect her. And that was really what, what was needed. I needed to resurrect her, which has taken many years. And the way that I did that was really by honoring the daughter of the dark. Now, I knew her straight off. It was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I, can go, I can go deep into her. Not a problem. You know, I knew her because I knew the sense of rage that lived within me. I knew the sense of shame. I knew the sense of hiding. I knew the sense of my voice being, being stymied. And I saw how I protected myself. I needed to really then, instead of, of course, living her out, in all those ways, I had to go in and do really deep work around the healing nature, which of course, you know, brings us deep into the place of courage and deep into the place of our fear and deep into the place of our feeling. You know, so here we are right in the heart, right in the courage and that, for me, is the deepest courage of humanity, looking at your deepest fear. But what came through was my deepest strength. So that has been, you know, and, and, and it would be, I would face certain fears and think they were gone. And, and I would feel a great sense of liberation. Uh, but it was a constant process that, that kept going deeper and deeper and deeper. Now I would say I am much more embracing the gentleness, the compassion of the mother, the mother of light. And this becomes, I'm noticing it in my being, how it is so much more natural and easy for me to be compassionate with others. You know, before I would see it and maybe judge, be judgmental. 
and even have to sort of feign a kind of compassion, if you like. <laughs> like, you know, try to be compassionate. And I cannot point to any one thing that will say, oh, that's when it happened. No, it seems to me that it is years upon years of learning that gentleness for my own soul and my own journey and my own being where it is so natural now that it's 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 a joy even if i if i'm feeling pain it's a joy to go into that pain now and to embrace it and to allow it to melt into a greater presence of that what i call that divine mother energy and just be held by it that feels delightful to me now to be able to be in that position and to see things of myself that I used to be in others and go, ah, there it is. You know, there's the pain, there's the control, there's the micromanaging that I used to do in order to feel safe. And I don't need that anymore. But this soul still does. Ah. Just hold that in compassion. I don't need to do anything with it, but just to literally stand in my own sacred presence of that divine mother and let it be. Let the other be. And in that, there seems to be an unspoken but felt exchange of deep acceptance. And that other is then allowed to let it be and to let themselves be and to heal. So um, a, a lovely, a lovely turning there um, for me personally, after many years, I have to say. <laughs> the dark wisdom of the mother. Of course, my contemplative practice has been the greatest presence and ground for that. Being able to sit in, in what we may call that no thingness, where, where there's nothing, where there's absolutely nothing, there's no thought, there is no uh, meditation technique, <laughs> you know, there's, there's deep silence and deep spaciousness. And finding in that, that of its own accord, wisdom arises. Unbidden wisdom, uh, unknown wisdom. Um, and it's a wisdom that comes from another, another place, another reference. And it's deeply comforting there. Um, there, of course, have been times where that no-thingness has been terrifying. And, you know, oh, my God, and I don't know what to do. And, and, and I'm sitting in what feels like a dark pit. <laughs> it's no longer the embrace of that wise uh, womb, but a dark pit. And, and having the courage to remain there. That's the big one. It's the big one. And not to try to clamber out and fill it up with all the distractions and all the, the worldly comfort that I can manage. And at times I can, and at times I can't. 
<laughs> so it it varies. But what invariably happens is at some point I have to, because it will keep returning. It will keep returning. So there's a sense of knowing from experience that if I can sit in the really uncomfortable, fearful places, they will transform of their own accord. If I can hang in there long enough and always know underneath it all that I'm safe, that I'm safe. And I think the crone I really want to give you a just a very, it's kind of humorous, actually, because <laughs> she has a great sense of humor. She's a trickster. She is a trickster. Um, as you know, you've been in Ireland many, many times, and there are these very narrow lanes that they call roads. <laughs> yeah. Right. And my greatest fear in Ireland <laughs> has been that I would be on one of those little narrow roads in the in the nighttime, not knowing where I'm going with what they call lashing rain. Now, there are a hundred words for rain in Ireland, I believe, and lashing rain, really the best way to describe lashing rain is sheets of rain coming sideways where you simply cannot see anything. So this was my, you know, it's like, God, please save me from that experience because <laughs> I do not want to be on an Irish road in the nighttime lost and, and with lashing rain. So, of course, what happens last December, I, I had to hire a car. I had just come back from the U.S. for a little while. It was a manual car, a stick shift, which I have not driven since I was 15 years old. <laughs> I am heading off from the Cork airport and um, I'm driving down roads, my GPS decides to take me off route. And of course, I don't know the roads. So I'm like, oh, God, I have to follow the GPS because, you know, it decides that you're going to save one minute by going down some back road. <laughs> but I had to follow it. And, you know, it was nighttime now. And I'm like, oh, no. And then that that terrible sound of ding, ding, rerouting. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't even know where I am. And I turn a corner and there was a fork in the road and the, the GPS was not telling me where to go. It was it was confused. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, good God, no. And so I'm trying to do a U-turn. I'm like, OK, OK, just breathe because you know where to go. <laughs> I'm like, I really don't. But all right. <laughs> it was kind of like, I'll humor you. And I decide to go off on this route and the rain starts, lashing rain. And I'm on this narrow road, lashing rain. The GPS isn't working. No idea. I'm going uphill, downhill. No idea where I am. And then I hear it. I hear that incredible high-pitched laugh. 
<laughs> and when I hear that, Michael, I know that is the crone. <laughs> I have heard that laugh before and I know it. And I suddenly, I was, because I was kind of petrified, you know, and I'm trying to do the stick shift and I'm, you know, all of this. And when I heard that laugh, I went, oh, my God, she has brought me to my my greatest fear here in Ireland. <laughs> here it is. And at that, I started to laugh with her. And when I started to laugh, everything just, everything evaporated. The fear evaporated. I could feel the humor in it. I was so empowered in that moment I became like a speed racing driver vroom, 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 vroom. and I was invincible and I was going around corners the rain was lashing ah the windscreen wipers were going and, vroom, and it was so I felt this strength and and that you know and of course soon thereafter I got down to the main road but that to me, it almost felt like a, a metaphor also for where humanity is right now. We are driving a stick shift car, which we don't know how to drive. It's lashing rain. We don't know where we're going. We're on this narrow lane. And that came to me later of like, wow, that is a great metaphor for where we are. You know, we're all driving these vehicles, so to speak, and, and we have no idea where where we're going in many ways. And so, yeah, it, it then also that, you know, of course, brings us into the, the dissolution. And of course, the dissolution, you know, my life has dissolved many times over and over and over, you know, yeah. it, and the the strangest thing always is it seems like there is these divine directions everything's going everything's rolling smooth and then kaboom something just shifts it and it's over and it's like what do you mean it's over <laughs> and and so being able to accept the dissolution being able to accept when things have had a, a, a life unto themselves and now they're done. And now here, we want you to move here. And so I've experienced that many times in life, you know, which has caused me to, to go into much self-doubt, um, which, you know, Teresa of Avila, that was happened to her also over and over again. Uh, and yet, like Teresa, I would say it had strengthened my faith because always, always another vision arises or another pathway reveals itself and off I go. Great. I love it's such a metaphor for where we are, the whole story that you're telling. And and I'm just thinking of the amount of fear and divisiveness in the world right now with this fascist overtaking through the coronavirus and the, the robbing of our freedoms in such a blatant way on a global scale. And yet, some people still haven't actually felt the depth of the fear 
or the depth of the seriousness of where we are is such an important time to call on the Divine Mother, the Divine Daughter, the Divine Crone in both male and female. Mm. I work with so many people who as they're waking up and noticing how numb they've become, of course, the next thing they feel is exactly that overwhelming fear. Talk a little bit about how that relates to faith and the resurrection of faith in the divine intelligence of the feminine and the masculine, but we're particularly focused on the path of the, the, the courageous path of the, of the feminine. So what would you say to some of the people who are just beginning to really feel the enormity of what's happening in the world uh, and the fear that goes with it? And, you know, I would say, let yourself be overwhelmed by love. By love. By love. Because... If you're being overwhelmed by fear, you're going to need to meet it with something pretty strong. So you need to be able to almost be drowned in love and to know that you are cared for and loved and safe no matter what happens. So this, to me, the only way that I really experience this is with the Divine Mother's love wrapping her arms around me. That is where I find great comfort and become restored, you know, to, to a sense of equilibrium. And also, I think, really understanding that our life does not end with our death and our life can continue to emerge and to grow no matter what is happening outside and around us. And so the faith for me, the faith for me is believing in the underlying goodness of life even when it is explicitly showing up in another way. Because, um, you know, I guess another experience of mine was when I had an aneurysm and I really had to look my own death in the eye because it was very, like I was given a 50-50 chance. And, and in that, I went through these stages of you know literally like jesus in the in gethsemane take this cup from me you know i really don't want to do this i really don't want to feel what i'm feeling i really don't want to go through with this i want it all to go back right i want it all to go back to how it was then i came into the this what i the second level where i could see and start to feel the new spiritual um, unfolding that was happening 
through this experience of the aneurysm and the gifts that were coming. So I was like, on one hand, I was getting these incredible gifts. And on the other hand, I was still dealing with the, with the horror of it. So it was like experiencing the beauty and the horror of my life at the same time. And then another level presented itself. And this level I can only say as, as the experience of what I call the golden land, which everything, no matter what was going on, whether no matter what was happening in my body or what was happening, it was all in a state of perfection. And so perhaps for people now who are experiencing that overwhelm is like, yes, okay, look at this level. Yeah, you're really feeling overwhelmed and you probably really want everything to go back to normal how it was. Yeah. But can you go a step further and ask, what is the gift here for me? What is the gift for humanity? And am I willing to embody that gift? Am I willing to it? And can I have the ability to say, yes, look at this wonderful gift and look at the horror at the same time going on? Can I sit in equilibrium with both of these? And then if you can, and I say this is more a gift, you know, to reach deep within, and this is you can open to the Divine Mother to say, okay, how can I be at peace, complete peace, no matter what is going to happen? And how can that peace then contribute to humanity and a level of peace for all? I love what you're saying, and I can listen to the listening of some of our listeners and saying, well, that's fine for you to say, but I don't even feel that. In fact, I'm learning that I live in a sea of trauma and I'm not in my body and I can't feel my emotions. And, and I recognize that something's wrong, but that always keeps me from wanting to be somewhere else than where I am which I can never get to where you're talking about if I can't be where I am and actually feel in my body the emotions, the sensations, the terror, the overwhelm, the grief, the loss, the hypocrisy, all of that. So how do I, how do I bring it home to the body first? so that I can even begin that journey that you so eloquently described. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, as, as you are a lover of movement and dance, so <laughs> am I. <laughs> well, you know that about me, huh? <laughs> I know that about you. And it's also that for me, dance is a portal for me to feel what I cannot feel (laughs) what, you know, so it breaks something open. Also, for me, I have done a lot of voice work, working with the voice and the emotional expression of the voice. And that also is a portal. And it's, 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 um, 
you know, it's really going back to, if you like, the Celtic tradition of the keening, mm -hmm. of the morning tradition. You know, like just even this afternoon, Michael, I was like, oh, my energy feels thick and heavy and uh, lethargic. And it was like, I just sat with it and I'm like, oh my God, I need to wail. I just don't need to cry. I need to wail because I could feel this morning, you know, of my own life, you know, of, of not being able to work with people physically, you know, spending all my time on Zoom. I'm like, I can't take it anymore, <laughs> you know, and I went, God, I really need to wail and I need to dance. So it's like, you know, and it, of course, breath, just breathe, just start to breathe and, and let yourself sink into the body, you know, <coughs> that's, um, that's, that's all, that's all I can say. And, and, and pray, hmm. you know, let me feel, let me feel, let me feel it in my body because what I, what I'm noticing also, there's a quickening at the moment. There's a quickening of everything, right? So there's also a quickening of the gifts that are available to us. So when I'm here and I'm asking and, you know, like something's really in me and I just pray, like, let me heal, you know, let this, then boom, something shifts, something happens. And so that's what I'm also finding. If we really want something, ask for it you know it's the old ask and you will receive and i do think that it's very available to us now if our heart you know if we really just get to such a point where we can't take it anymore you know i think that that's when when things start to shift yeah. you know it's, you brought up such an important point there i don't want to just go by it too quickly and that is the ability to grieve because we're a culture that doesn't know how to grieve um you know it's death averse uh everything is set up to avoid even speaking of dying um but much deeper than that you know you can grieve the loss of a parent you can grieve the loss of a grandparent still harder the loss of a child how do we grieve 200 species a day that are extinct and never will be seen again on this planet. How do you, how do you, how do you feel that? How do you grieve uh, the horrors that are going on around the world uh, and the rise of the fascist uh, right-wing uh, superpowers? The U.S. falling very much in that direction, particularly, which um i don't even like to imagine if that uh cycle continues on a on a u.s level what that will mean to a global level i actually have a grieving process i you know and i teach it to my students for 21 days you know this whole setting up and grieving and allowing ourselves to feel all the things and let them feel through us or also I'm really interested in practices like Pema Chodron's Tong Lin, you know, bringing Tong Lin meditation back, that ability to bring in the dark energy 
and purify it. You know, I, I call it like sewage disposable right. or right. whatever you call it when you clean the sewage, you know, that we allow that so that people can be rehabilitated in just the basic ability to feel, you know, and be in the body and to yeah. feel the emotions, not in the head, because the emotions in the head, they, they produce the same chemical response, but they don't allow you to create the, the spaciousness that is needed when we need to deal with the fragment, inner fragmentation that is keeping us numb. Yeah. So I'm really interested in the practices, you know, contemplation, prayer, meditation, and how people who are listening to this and saying, you know, how do I deal with the darker aspects of my beliefs about myself? Many of which came from adaptation to traumatic events that become our narrative and our story. And our story just wants to survive. You know, there's only one purpose for a story and that's its own manifestation, it's its own tale. So how can my devotion to recognition of and embracing of the divine feminine within me help me to feel more deeply, see more deeply, love more deeply, open more deeply to the darkness and be able to transform that darkness and, and into the light? Well, Big question, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's right. And, and you know, as you were speaking, I was thinking, well, in some ways, I'm actually the worst person to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> because I, since I was young, I was known as the emotional one, <laughs> right? So I haven't really had to learn how to be emotional. You know, it's like, it's so natural to me that... <laughs> That to teach it, it's like, well, well, just do it, you know. <laughs> it's like, just, just let it happen. So it's like, but I guess the practice that works mostly in that bringing forth and in the transformational aspect are some of the divine chants that I use and are in the book. And they are specifically designed to, you know, they have all different meanings. So they're all based in the Aramaic and Hebrew. And so they draw forth the energies of the, the letters of those particular languages. You know, like all of the ancient languages, they, they're alive. Yeah, right? the vibrations of it, yeah. Vibrations, exactly. So, you know, like the, the, the specific chants in the, the Daughter of the Dark or the Mother of the Dark are designed to help to raise up those darker feelings and vibrations so they can rise. And there's something I think specifically uh, for the feminine energy is the voice. Because the voice, you know, the voice has been stymied for so long. So there needs to be a release of the voice. And so these chants help to loosen the, the voice and at the same time allow the expression to come out. 
And then at the same time, they allow a healing and transformation to come forward. So, so that always has been a great um, way for me to really go through a whole, a whole process. And of course, the dance, I danced through, through it as well. Um, <clears throat> so, but it's not a, it's not a, a solo journey. Um, that's, I think, where a lot of people get into trouble. It's, you know, the Buddhists have this wonderful term, interdependently co-arising. Right. And to me, that kind of says the whole thing of the co-creation with the soul of the world that you talk about. There's, right. there's, you know, so at the heart, well, at the heart of trauma is frozen past, is separation. That, that's the first cause of, of any kind of trauma, it creates separation. So we live in this world of separation. And I think the path to that is how do we become more related, not just to the ethereal and the divine and the mother, but to each other and to our own body and, and, and oh, okay. well, awakening well, that. Yes, well, I think that is part of the whole feminine, right? Because she is so directly related to matter or mata, the mother, the earth, mm -hmm. uh, the body, um, and that whole sense of the soul of the world. And I think Carl Jung said, you know, this is the whole purpose of the feminine is to bring things into union here on earth so that we are coming into that union. Um, and I think, you know, like the Buddhists, a lot of the practices that I work with also, there's always that component. Well, I mean, I love working in groups, so we're always working as a, as a field of, of energy as one group, but we're also incorporating all souls and all beings. Um, and so there is, and, and what I find with, when I work with people, even on Zoom, that they are feeling that connection. They're feeling the connection with themselves, with one another, and an extended connection with both the, the you know, human beings and animals and all on this earth, as well as other dimensions. And that's part of the chance as well. And the energy of those vibrations is like uh, Amma is, is really the Aleph is all dimensions. And it's the oneness and the connection. So we're immediately creating that energy. And, we, the, and the whole point is that we become that energy. You know, we invoke it, we evoke it, and we embody it. Hmm. Yeah, that brings up my thought of the um, the mother ground of being, uh, or the the groundless ground, and mm -hmm. and the importance of that. Share a little bit about your sense of that, uh, mm -hmm. moving into that place and yeah. allowing ourselves to literally fall into that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I guess, the, yes, the mother ground of being is another way to, to call it also is the sacred presence, you know, yes. or the unadulterated being, you know. So it is that natural state of who we are. Mm -hmm. And um, 
the experience is is a, a beautiful spaciousness. It's a place where all of life can find its place in that spaciousness. So there is an inclusion of everything. So that's where all that horror can live. That's where all the beauty can live. It's where all the extinct species can live. It's where all the species still alive can live. So it's almost like everything is still in a creation of life ongoing. It's like a cosmic womb. If you really like, it's, it's like, and every potentiality of life and death is there. And, and so when we can sit in that, it's a, it's an alive place. It's an alive place, even with those that we perceive as dead. So it's, it, it's a realm that incorporates all realms and it's a being our being that incorporates all beings and the place of great solace say it again i'm sorry a place of great solace yes yes and so to reach that place there's a kind of um interior capacity that's needed Mm -hmm. And in, in order to create that capacity, we need that stillness, we need that silence. And one of the things about um, living in a, in a field of trauma uh, is that, first of all, it takes us from being present to being moving very quickly, hyperactive, or hypoactive, numb, I'm just going to smoke a joint and and you know it's all groovy and spiritual bypass and all that those two two parts don't allow us to deal with the tension the inner tension that if you're feeling it all right now i i can't it's hard to imagine that people can't feel it but we're so numb that we don't feel that and in order to you know there's not a doing in that that's why i like the idea of the uh, uh, the the ground of being, the groundlessness ground, where um, we can get to that place of stillness and those fragmented parts come up and we can love them mm -hmm. and accept them as our friends that saved us at a time when we were overwhelmed as an intelligent nervous system that said, whoa, this is too much for this person. Uh, I got to push this part down and then 40 or 50 years later that part is still pushed down and we're functioning and we think that's normal to not feel the things that are happening right now, you know? Yeah, 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 it's, you know, I think that, so in this way, can we look at this time as a celebration for humanity that they can now begin to feel into their depths. Now, this is, this is a wisdom of Teresa of Avila, and I love it. 
because she said, first of all, when we are being, you know, woken up and starting to realize, she said, we really become, you know, we come to the work quite grudgingly. You know, we'd really rather not do it. We'd really rather not feel. <laughs> we'd really rather stay numb. You know, it's just easier. It's, you know, it just feels nicer. And she said, you know, that's kind of weird, but, you know, we, it's too late. We're, we're something that's risen. So we sort of go, oh, we become begrudging with it. Then we start to realize, well, hold on. Actually, there is some freedom that I start to experience here. You know, that something, oh, okay, it can be painful, but, oh, I can feel a relief, a little relief in my life that's starting to open. And so she said, then we move into a place of almost indifference. It's like, okay, all right, here it is again. <laughs> all right, let's get on with it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but she said, when we reach a level of maturity, then we come running because we know that whatever is arising is our liberation. So we come and we celebrate it and we run and we dive into it and we come right out resurrected and alive again. So, you know, she delineated these, these uh, stages that we, we go through. Yeah, um, yeah, beautiful. And so I think really, you know, there's on our earth at the moment, we, we have, I always say earth is like, um, you know, a grounding station or um, a way station. I was a great Star Trek lover. <laughs> and they used to have the, the way station that everybody from every planet would come to, you know, before they had, they could go on to the other planets. And I'm, I remember watching this episode going, oh my God, that is earth. You know, we're a way station where all these different beings have come and we're all, you know, doing our journey before we move on again. And so we're coming from all different places, all different angles, all different beliefs, you know, all different levels of being. And so that's what I also see that purely by being who we are and being authentic in this moment, that we are all helping each other. With every time that I enter into a liberation, there is a liberation somewhere else for somebody else. Yeah. And every time I'm in pain, there is another also sharing that pain. Mm -hmm. And so when we can, I think, really feel that, and know that and we know I, I know I've come into it through through prayer really experiencing directly experiencing my prayer helping another like literally seeing it happen like a spiritual webcam and it was so beautiful to experience that because it really came into me oh my god it's really true you know, it's really true. I'm not just saying the words anymore. Yeah. I'm really feeling that every time I am, I'm, am, you know, going in and feeling and transforming, that it is helping another, especially when I had that intention as well, you know. 
Yeah, I, th I think one of the big barriers that might be important to talk about is our ability to receive, mm. you know, fundamental in the five rhythms, you know, flowing is the feminine. It's all about taking in and receiving and allowing, but there's all the issues around unworthiness or not wanting to be beholding, all, all these crazy notions that we have about receiving. So how do we receive on the level of the Divine Mother and, and really welcome the gift of that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it's really important that you brought that up. Thank you. Um, you know, it's, it's really, that's part of the daughter as well. And so I think what it is, it's trying to re-enter and remember what it is to be a child mm. of the mother. Because the child knows how to receive. Mm. Great. You know, so it's, there it is. Can I know myself as a daughter, as a son, as a child of a mother and receive from her? Because there's no way we can be beholden to her. There's no way we can, like I know Teresa said, you know, there's no way I can repay you. <laughs> right? So there's no there's no transaction here, you know? This the, this is pure love. This is pure love flowing. And 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 you know, it's it's I do remember right in the early days, like I I couldn't receive at all. You know, it was like, well, first, I don't know what love is. Second, I don't know how to receive, <laughs> you know. And so, what, what will I owe you? Right. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. So, so, but it, it just takes, it takes time and that ability to just sit. And I think it takes desire. It takes the desire to really experience and know it. And you know, when you're on your knees and, and things are really bad, you know, you might really get to that place of like, okay, I, I, I really want to know that I am your child. Because in that, there also lies safety, there lies comfort, there, you know, there lies love, there lies everything you need. And it also then, then, naturally without doing anything that overflows and it goes out to others mm -hmm. you know. one of the things you talk about in your book is the relationship between desire and power mm. would you expand on that a little bit sure um well i think to start with we need to understand and feel into where is our desire coming from? You know, is it uh, the very depth of our being and our soul and our heart? Or is it a desire of manipulation? Uh, a desire of wanting to uh, have power over? Is it a desire of uh, needing to prove yourself? You know, is it a desire of wanting to be to be seen as somebody who knows a lot of things? You know, it's like, yeah, there's there's all these different levels of desire that it's like, 
what, what's the what's the real motivation here? And that will give you an indication of you start to feel it because it's the desire of the other that wants wants to manipulate or have power over it. It comes from the mind, you know. It's very calculating, very calculating, and it's going to get this, and then it can get that, which will lead to that, which usually leads to you being put on a pedestal somewhere, somehow, right? That that you're going to have some level of power, which is really a cry for safety and love, which is also power in lack. Oh, yes. Thank you, know, you. So you're standing in power, but you're in lack still. Completely. Yeah. 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 Completely. Yes. Where the other, the other is really taking you deep into the compassion. It's taking you deep into a surface of humanity. It's taking you deep into your own love and your own wisdom. And abundance. And abundance, absolutely, and using it for the good of everybody, you know. And there's no, there's no calculated plan. <laughs> yeah. 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 Any any last words, Megan Don, that you'd like to share with our listeners about feminine courage and how to rekindle that in our own soul? Yeah, feminine courage. Well, I, it really to me, it's about coming deep into your body, deep into your heart, deep into what stirs you, either passionately or fearfully, and being willing to stand fully in who you are and to bring forward your voice, no matter the outcome, no matter the outcome. And to know that you will be supported on a level that that you wouldn't have known before. So it's really coming into the fruition of your life. You have the courage to come into the fruition of your life. That's what I would say. <laughs> oh. Megan Don, it's just such a delight to be with you. I'm I'm really glad we had an opportunity to have this conversation. I look forward to your next book on death and dying. And just thank you for taking the time to be on We Earth Radio and for the wonderful work that you're doing in the world. Well, thank you, Michael. And the same for you for all the work you're doing. And, and I'm delighted to be here with you. Thanks so mm. much. Much love. <laughs> We Earth Radio is an independently produced program supported by listeners like you. We are committed to bringing you leading-edge thinkers in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, conscious evolution, and spiritual fulfillment. If you would like to receive our complimentary newsletter, The Well of Light, make a contribution, or listen to any of our past shows, go to our website, welloflight.com. Thank you so much for your commitment to a world that works for all life.